Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Ah, uh, you know, trying to stay warm, Manny. It's a it's a deep freeze down here in the deep south. <laughs> yeah, it was. The other day it was pretty cold, uh uh and uh tonight seems a little cold, but I, I uh I don't mind it really. I, I much prefer this than the sweltering days of August. Really? You know? I, yeah, I'd much rather have this because this makes you stay inside even more. And uh, yeah. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. So, uh, you know, uh, and I'm glad it happened over uh, Fat Tuesday. I'm so happy it happened that we had the big freeze on Fat Tuesday. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so people stayed home, which, you know, because right. I was. Because I was thinking, I was watching the news all day thinking, well, the news is going to find some people partying, some groups getting together, you know, and I live over near Zulu Club, and I thought for sure uh, they were going to be out on the neutral ground doing something illegal, and they were, they were all, nobody was there. Nobody was there at all. I, 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 was, okay. I thought it was a good thing, you know, and, and you know, when I, I just want to say to the city of New Orleans, get used to it. Because when I become mayor, it's over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's I don't over. know if you want to lead with that, Manny. That's, that's not going to be a popular uh, uh, platform with the, with the residents I here. I don't care. It's, I, New Orleans get used to this. Because what have I said before? <laughs> that Mardi Gras like, just destroys this city in so many ways. It, uh, it, it, it plugs up our sewer system. It plugs up our drainage system. And what does Mardi Gras do? It kills. Mardi Gras uh, kills. You know, yeah, you got to take uh, a chance now and then. You know, we love it. Uh, we love it, Manny. Yeah. Well, get used to it when I become mayor. Get used to it. Okay. I'm ending. All I'm right. ending it. It's over. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. There, well, there, again. there goes that vote. There goes that vote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you had Jason's vote uh, up until you until you got on that that uh, shaky well, shaky ground. I don't know. Yeah, you know, but I, I, I he'll like my other things. So I think if he hears them, he'll like them. I okay. don't know. Right. I could I could be a far right conspiracy theorist. You don't there, know. There yeah. you go, Jason. <laughs> a little QAnon. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm way past. I'm on Exanon. You know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, you know, Manny, with all this uh, this deep freeze and all, you know, the people in Texas have had a lot worse than us. You know, we had good. We had, they they've been having these rolling blackouts. You know, where they they uh, they they can't keep the 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 lights on there, and people have pipes freezing in their homes and and bursting. I saw in the news today, uh, people's houses getting flooded from internal pipes breaking because it's because they've been without power. You know, I was thinking this is the last time this happened. I was thinking about that phrase "rolling blackouts." I yeah. was thinking, you know, Manny, that's back in the old days. That's what people used to call it when they couldn't remember how they drove their car home. Right? <laughs> <laughs> rolling blackout. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was also. Uh, I think it was a, uh, a a plan during a Vietnam War attack. It was called the rolling blackout. If I remember, mm-hmm. I think West Westmoreland tried to get into Cambodia and with the rolling blackout and it didn't work. <laughs> but I also thought rolling blackout was a, uh, a card game I used to play. Hmm. Uh, and, and when I was younger 
and lots of shots were involved, I think. Okay. You know? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one, but I can imagine it. <laughs> but I like, I, I like your definition, definitely, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we have friends in Texas, don't we? We have our friend in Austin. I hope he's doing well. What's his name? Uh, the guitar player? Um, oh, yeah, um, yeah, Jesse Dayton, yes. Yeah, I hope he's doing okay because I hear people are – are, are they're freezing the fucking death out there, man? Oh yeah, no, it's bad. They had, it was single digits uh, earlier in the week. You know, when we had we had uh, you know freezing temperatures, they had single digit temperatures. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jesse Dayton is probably probably hanging tough over there. You know, he's a he's a real survivor. He's a wily one. But he reminds me of the kind of guy Jesse that will always have a warm woman, so he'll be okay. I think he, he's you got know. a solid wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A warm woman and a cold beer. Okay. And a dog, yeah, like a it, dog that will play fetch. You know? Okay. It's an American dream. Yeah. Well, not my dream. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what my dream is. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I hope he's doing okay. He's in Austin. And, and don't we have some yes. other people? We've had a couple other guests who live in Texas, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, we have some people that are that are uh, you know we had uh, Will Sexton who was a uh, who has lived in Austin for many many years. He's he's been in in uh, in Memphis for a few years here, but uh, he's back and forth. You know, he still has a lot of family around those parts. Well, Manny, um, so we talked about Mardi Gras, but but so that brings us to Ash Wednesday and Lent, and every year yeah. when we always talk about Lent, and you know we yeah. talk about what people might be giving up for Lent. That's a big, you know, topic of discussion. And you always have, you know, well, your, your standard thing. Well, it's a tradition for Lent. Yes. I, I give up basically. I just give up. <laughs> just give up. <laughs> yeah. I give up. In for general. Lent I give up. Yeah. I just give up. You know, I do right, it every right. Lent. Basically I do it every right. day. I give up, but yeah. Okay. Why wait for Lent? Yeah, but people ask me, you know, the day after Mardi Gras, they say, what are you doing for Lent? And, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I, I try to just, you know, just give them an answer. And I say, for Lent, I give up. You know, I right. give up. Right. I'm done. I, I, I've had it. I can't do any more. You know, but I don't mm -hmm. know about you, but, but I don't know about you, but on, on, uh, on uh, Mardi Gras day, we had some uh, uh, close friends of ours who were dressing up in costume. And uh, going, driving around town, and going down to the Marini, and, and 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 actually trying to find groups to hang out with. And wow, really? I, I just thought to myself, "What? You're, you're idiots. I mean, you're close friends, but you're idiots. What are you? What are you looking for? You know?" Um, but anyway, uh, uh, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's over. Uh, uh, the the one thing that I want to talk about, uh, if you have any more Mardi Gras, uh, uh, let me know. But I, I'm just. Um, uh, I just want to say that I'm still fat on Fat Tuesday. You know, okay. I'm still fat. I've been gaining weight since this pandemic started. I'm over 230 pounds now. Wow, man! Uh, and you're, yeah. you don't have—you have a small frame. I can't imagine yeah. how you could even carry all that weight. Well, I, I'm getting like Job of the Hut, basically. I just, you, know, <laughs> I, I, you, you can't even see my legs anymore. Wow! You can't see my legs, uh, but uh, I feel good. I feel all right. You know. Uh, okay. I, I have I don't I'm not due for a physical till August, so we'll see what happens then with our right, right, with right. our staff doctor. You know, we'll see what if he says anything to me. But right. some sad news that I want to report over the last week or so. We had uh, uh, we had uh, my good friend Larry King died. 
the talk show uh, king. Right. Uh, right. And then uh, um, my my one of my best friends, Larry Flint, died. Right. You know, and he was a good guy to me. I've always loved Larry Flint. And then a guy I couldn't give a fuck about Rush Limbaugh died. So who cares about right. him? You know, but yeah, yeah, I think but, he's in hell already. Yeah. If you well, believe in that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I hated him for his his verbiage on the radio and stuff. But I, he was a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and, and I can't stand Steeler fans and the Steelers hmm. to begin with. So he was a huge uh, Pittsburgh Steeler fan. But uh, I remember, um, you know, growing up as a young kid and, and, and getting Hustler magazine and Penthouse magazine and Playboy, you know, stealing them from my older brothers or my cousins or my dad, you know, getting these magazines. And, and uh, I remember uh, a Penthouse always had their famous Penthouse form letters, you know. Sure. It, yeah. the guys would, our guys or gals would write and tell them about their sex, you know, sexual experiences and right. Talk about having it, sex with uh, with amputees or or wheelchair patients. They always had uh, quite unbelievable stories in there. Well, not so much Penthouse, but Hustler was that way. In many ways, Penthouse okay. was always like kind of. Like, Penthouse was always like really. That's no way that happens. There's no way that you're like you know, sitting uh, uh, first class on an airplane and the stewardess just says, would you like another round? And before you know it, you're like in the bathroom with all the stewardesses going at it. It just, but but the hustler stuff, the hustler's letters uh, sounded more real. I mean, there was some truth to them because, because there was things with midgets and things with nuns. And stuff like that. I, I believe that more than the penthouse stuff, you know. Huh. And okay. I remember all through the 80s and the early 90s, I would submit my letters to all these magazines. And um, and I never got published until um, one time. It was 19, I think, 93. I finally got published. But it wasn't by Hustler or Penthouse or Playboy even. It was by Bitter Homes and Garbage. They published my letter. And, uh, um, uh, I'm not familiar with that, that magazine. Well, that magazine uh, ran, it only ran for about six months, and they were looking for anything. So they, okay. they published my thing. And my letter had to do with a lot with, um, with uh, sexcapades, with, uh, uh, with um, uh, illegal aliens, and Larry King naked in suspenders. So it, it was a weird letter. It was a weird letter, but it got published, and I was so happy. I, I bought like okay. twenty copies of it, and handed it out to friends and family. And right on. Well, first taste of uh, fame. Yeah. Well, as as a writer, yes, as a writer, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I don't have that copy anymore. That you know, that magazine went out of business after six months, and uh, kind of like. Uh, JFK Jr.'s magazine went out of business after about a year. Right. George, right? That's what it was called. George, George. yes. George, it was yeah. called. God, you got a good memory. Yes. Uh, for some things. Uh, yeah. Um, so the passing of those guys, you know, really hit hard to me because it it goes to show you that um, uh, people die and people you like die and, and people you hate die. Right. And then you're happy, you know? Yeah. Then you're happy. 
you know, uh, and it is what it is. But I, I felt bad for Larry Flint. You know, I mean, he was such a uh, 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 guy. I, I liked him so much because he was a he was an instigator. You know, he instigated it. Sure. And he, he lost his, you know, he couldn't, he got shot, he couldn't walk, he couldn't fuck. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to get my orgasm by being an instigator. I'm going to fucking okay. bring some people down. And he did. And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Livingston, uh, former senator of Louisiana. I think he was senator. I mean, it might have been a representative. I think he was also the one who brought David Vitter down with the black book. I think could he was. Be. He could have been involved th- in that. Yep. Yeah, I think he had something to do with that, and he, you know, he brought a lot of people down, and uh, so it's it's a sad thing, but it, it is what it is, and we'll go on, and and, and uh, uh, we're okay, you know. Right. Right. We're okay. So, uh, out of the out of the blue, yesterday, I get a a text from our 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 old guest Chuck Prophet, who uh, oh yeah. Hadn't, Chuck. Hadn't hadn't talked to him in a while and get a text. He says, hey, can you record an acoustic bass part at your house like today? And I said, well, yeah, I can. What you got? And he goes, I'm going to send you a a track in a little bit. So he wound up uh, recording something with his wife, Stephanie, and uh, they put together this uh, this track on this this tune and emailed it to me. And uh, I plugged it into uh, my recording program and and. did a couple of takes and sent it back to him. So just that quick, I made a record with Chuck last night. Oh, well, sounds exciting, Renee. Oh, you know, it was fun. It's fun to fun to do something. You know, get, getting back to your your Lent thing. You know, you're saying you, you give up. I'm I'm almost there with you, Manny. I'm I'm trying to resist the uh, the temptation to to give up. But you know, it's those those little <laughs> bright spots where you get a you get a, an opportunity to to do something fun and, you know, new and, uh, you know, cause, Oh, okay. Well, I, I still am in the music business. This is exciting. You should put out your own solo record. Do it. You've got time. What else are you doing? Well, You're not doing uh, anything. Put out a solo record and call it live from Budokan. All okay, right. Manny. All right. That's well, what you I'll, do. I'll, I'll, I'll take your, I mean, I'll, I'll take that into consideration, you know, again, uh, as, as our, previous guest vicky peterson was talking about i like to be in a band you know i don't want to be a solo artist it's doesn't doesn't appeal to me you know i I like i like the but you could be a leader of a band yeah it's the thing you know i don't i don't want to be a leader of a band (laughs) i I have to do enough stuff as it is uh just just being a uh a member of a band that's that seems like a good division of labor anyway speaking of bands we have a, a terrific guest here. You have anything else before we get to our guest? No, let's get to our guest. Right on. Well, so our guest, uh, I've, I've been familiar with him for, for a few years now, but he's had a, an amazing career. He's, uh, he's a multi-award winning harmonica player, a really genius harmonica player, singer, band leader, uh, teacher, you know, instructor. Um, He's uh, done all kinds of things we're going to get into in his, his fabulous career. Uh, the Moon Cat, Jason Ritchie. Welcome, Jason. Hey. Thanks, Renee. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Manny. You guys must uh, really be 
scraping the bottom of the barrel for guests when, <laughs> when when you're going after harmonica players you you know you know your podcast is nearing you know the end oh, when, no. when oh, no, don't say that. jason look actually <laughs> yeah yeah a couple a couple of weeks ago i played a gig with uh doug Belote. And, oh man. Um, he came, I love Doug below. He's great. He's been on, on the podcast. He was a guest and, uh, awesome. um, he says, he says, he's asking about how it was going, who I had on. And I was telling him and he goes, man, you know, you should have Jason Ritchie on. I said, I've approached Jason three or four times and he always ignores me. So I've just kind of given up but I'm always willing to try again. He goes, really? That doesn't sound like him. I said, no, yeah. it doesn't. I was kind of surprised. And he goes, what number are you calling? And I looked it up ah. and I said, this one. He goes, and he looks it up at his number. He goes, that's not his number. I'm like, well, I guess that explains why he's ignoring me. So, yeah. so in yeah. fact, he gave me a good number on you and I texted you and you immediately texted back and were very enthusiastic. And I was thrilled that, that, cause really I thought, well, Jason seems like he likes me, but he just, he, he must not want anything to do with this foolishness that we're conducting on the Trouble Men podcast, and I, and I would understand that. But no, not at all. I'm pretty desperate, actually. Uh, as a, but you know, like <laughs> what, what 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 happened was my uh, my wife took my phone on my last crack binge, right? So, <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I lost the phone number forever. So I ended up uh. with like a legit 504 number. So now I, now I can vote for Manny like a, a you know, a real 504-ian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right on, right on, Jason. Well, I like that you're so forthcoming right off the bat. You know, I was thinking, you know, you were, you were such a badass, hard-living, super talented, you know, freak of nature musician. You know, there's the, so many people want to pretend to be some kind of outlaw or edgy, you know, sexually ambiguous, but uh, you actually are all of those things. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, you, you, you've earned your stripes, as it were. Um, well, let's, yeah. let's, let's get back to let's Let's, let's start off uh, in, and talk about how you got into uh, playing music. So I, I, I know uh, you're from Portland, Maine. Exactly. You grew up there, and 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 I, I understand that your your mom was a kind of a blues fan, and would bring you to a lot of shows when you were a kid. Yep, yep, she did. I got to see uh, James Cotton when I was like thirteen or fourteen years old. Muscle White. I saw Buckwheat Zydeco around that same time. Yep, nice. Whoever came to town, and they, you know, if if there was a restaurant, so I was allowed to be in there with a guardian, and yeah, I saw right. a lot of good music. Portland, Maine, man, you're probably uh, this cold that we're having is nothing to you. I, I'm I left so long. I didn't like it then. I was a, <laughs> I was I, I'm I was a skateboarder and I just hated it and uh, and I, I wasn't comfortable. I, and I left as soon as I could. I got down south. It's ninety five. I've been down here ever since. I like it much better. I was going to say, uh, before we get going, uh, Renee, you said that uh, you thought he was ignoring you, and I thought uh, you're probably used to that, people ignoring <laughs> you. <laughs> I didn't take it personally. I really, I figured it was because maybe he'd listened to the show and he didn't want to be around you, because I know he likes me. Yeah. So, because... Uh, 
you know, Jason and I get along well, but I, I couldn't yeah. really, I couldn't vouch for you. So I, you know, I figured, well, I just, we'll have to, you can't, can't win them all. Um, but so Jason, your first musical, uh, uh, experience wasn't, wasn't playing harmonica. In fact, you were a punk rocker, right? You were a singer yeah. in a punk rock band. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what were some of your favorite punk groups that, that you were, that, you know, you were into when, when that was happening? Well, I think it started with the dead Kennedys, you know, like, uh, okay. you know, they, yeah, the lyrics, like they were just like, you know, they were like so against everything that I had been taught in school so far. Right. And like, uh, I was just really into Jello Biafra and I got like his spoken word tapes. What was it called? No more cocoons. It was like a double cassette tape at the time. And it just shocked me. Right. And it just totally like reshaped my thinking. And, and then from there I got into some of like the, like, well, like misfits of course. And like the, the Ramones were almost like too pop for me. And then, and then like Fugazi came along and I was just blown away. Like there was like some better musicianship going on with that band uh -huh. and, you know, also some cool lyrics. And then like, then like, uh, I think it, the culmination of all of it was Pixies. You know, that was like when that, when that band came out, that, that was my Beatles growing up, you know? Yeah. 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 We love the Pixies, man. Jason, uh, you mentioned crack earlier. I, yeah. I, used to do, I used to do a lot of crack with D.H. Peligro back in, L in California. Wait, who's that? Do, I, I'm supposed to know who that is, right? He was uh, the original drummer for the Dead Kennedys. See, 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 I suck. I suck already. <laughs> no, we, we can't all know everything. You know, come on. Cut yourself yeah, I should I should know that. I should know that. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was the original drummer on, on their uh, first two records, and then he got so bad into his shit that he they fired him a few times. They hired him back. Yeah. He got, he got hired for like a New York minute for the for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They fired him, but the whole time he was at my place doing crack. So yeah. Okay. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, though. You that, know. Yeah. Once you start that stuff, it's really hard to stop I, it. Yeah. I think he got into Flacca after that. Oh, yeah. I just heard about Flacca. Yeah, I yeah. just found out about Flacca. Oh, it's good yeah. stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, man. He's been telling the nation about it for years. Yeah. You <laughs> could tell all your friends and your fans uh, that Flacca's all right. It's just like, uh, it's, like it's basically bath salts, right, Manny? Uh, it's something like that, but yeah. I don't think you take yeah. a bath. Yeah, okay. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think there's any water or cleansing involved with this. Uh, you, you're going to you know? need a bath after the bath salt, yeah. so you're going to need a good hosing down. So what was the name of your punk rock band? Well, like the first one was called Farm Dog, right? And, and where was that, here in Maine? Or yeah, where was yeah, we didn't really work that much. We opened up for some other bands um, in the area, like the biggest band we ever opened up for was out of Boston called Sam Black Church. And th <laughs> th that band is still fucking awesome, right? I still like occasionally go back to YouTube videos of that and just some like, holy shit, I wish I was that cool, right? So you're a punk rock band? Are you singing and playing harmonica? Or are you yeah. playing? Oh, really? I'm singing. And um, and then I like the other guys in the band start singing. So I get benched because I don't play an instrument and nobody will give me like I play a little guitar 
I, I can play a little bass. I can play a little drums, but nobody will give me a guitar because they don't want me to ruin the song, right? So they buy me a harmonica thinking like he can only mar it, right? And they like, you're like, <laughs> oh, like, you know, just play here. Like, just stand here and, and then play here. So, like, at least I was still on stage, right? You know, for, like, the songs that I wasn't singing, right? So right. that's how it all started. And the last thing anyone expected was that I was going to take it seriously, including me, right? Like, I really didn't think I was going to ever, like, pursue music or study chord structure, harmony theory, anything. Yeah. But but it caught fire with you. Because yeah, you showed them, though, didn't you? Yeah, you showed yes. them. It, it did, man. I, I had a good teacher, like, right off the bat. Like, he couldn't play harmonica very well, but he was my guitar teacher, and he understood music, and he understood the layout of the instrument, which is awkward, right? The diatonic harmonica is laid out very awkward. And so he was able to explain to me, like, what can be done on it right away. So I kind of had a jump on a, a lot of people that start on harmonica. They... A lot of times they're doubling on it. So they don't, they're not really trying to figure out like what it can do. They're just trying to make noise and that's fine. And then they put it down. But like I was told right away, like, hey, look, here's this guy, Howard Levy. He can play chromatically on this thing. You should check him out, as well as Little Walter, as well as Sonny Boy. You know, so right away, like I was lucky that I had all of this. And then my mother was willing to bring me to shows. And, you know, when I saw Cotton, that was it. And, you know, there was like, there was a sincerity with James Cotton that like I wasn't seeing in other bands besides punk bands, right? Like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I wasn't catching that at the time. Like Tiffany didn't have that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and, and like when I saw Cotton, like there was like, anger and sadness and like direct like emotions that w- and and the music was a little bit more sophisticated than punk so i was sort of ready for that by that time you know did your punk band let you do like solos and stuff yeah and- yeah okay. uh, oh. i was terrible i was terrible <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well no because i just think i just think because uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I grew up in L.A. and started going to punk rock shows in 1979, 79, and I don't think I ever saw one punk band, one punk band with a harmonica player. Right. You right. know? Yeah. No, to it, me, that seems that someone's got to catch this and say, hey, let's do something with this. You know? <laughs> you yeah, some, I, a, some A&R guy at, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. uh, at some label would say, we got to try to make money off this, but no right. one ever approached you guys. Nothing. Well, we didn't get very far, and like, but I was like kicked out of the house really young, and then like kicked out of school shortly after that. So like the band was over, right? Like, and uh, okay. and I was a mess, you know, already. Like I wasn't doing drugs, but I was in homeless shelters, you know, like at 15, 16 years old, you know. So like it was it was on, right? Like life was happening at that point. Yeah. The band shit was like, you know, that was yesterday. But I don't get it though, but your mom is taking you to shows and stuff, but yet you're getting kicked out of your house. What, yeah. What she's bipolar. Like, oh, okay. Like, okay. like me. And, okay. and was like, 
had uh, psychotic episodes. My father's not really in the picture. He he's uh, uh, an alleged mafia guy in Maine who's like on Geraldo in sixty minutes and like oh, wow. uh, constantly in lawsuits, <laughs> like with banks and shit for defamation of character because they're accusing him of being an organized crime. So I'm uh-huh. freak. I'm freaking out. Like I, I'm just like trying to figure out who I am. I do. I like men. That's going on, right? Like I'm sexually confused. I I, I want to do drugs, but I'm afraid to. And you know, so I, everything's going crazy at that time. Yeah. So oh, her, wow. Harmonica's fun, but it's not number one yet. You know, not even close. So do you, by your own choice, just say I got to get the fuck out of here, or? Someone just, your parents just kick you out. So I show up at my dad's house. I'm like 17 years old. I've been in and out of like uh, Grateful Dead, like flop house kind of situations, kicked out of school. Uh, you know, um, I, I was in mental institutions, uh, homeless shelters, st- sleeping in dugouts of baseball places and I just show up at my dad's house. I haven't seen him since I'm like 11 and I show up there at 17. I make it past armed security guards. Okay. (laughs) Right. And I knock on the door. My father answers the door. The first thing he says to me in seven years is, can you roll a joint? And I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yep. So he invites me in. In the divorce agreement, my parents were divorced when I was three, three years old. In the divorce agreement, my father had to pay for college. He's like, what's your plan? I said, I don't know. We come up with a plan. He's like, what do you like? I'm like, I was good at biology. He goes, okay, cool. So we'll get you into a college. First, you got to get your GED. Yeah. I get my GED at my father's school that he runs for troubled children, which is like based on Daytop and Synanon. Okay. And right. And there's a documentary on Amazon right now called the last stop. That's about survivors of that school. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 And my, (laughs) my father's like the man, right? Like the bad guy, like Jim Jones. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But he's, but he's a mob boss, right? He's a mob boss. He took the money from the school, Manny, that he made, he made a million a year from the school and he invested it in a racetrack, which burned down like three times. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why. I wonder why it burned down three times. (laughs) It was an accident. Yeah, sure, sure. The wiring in Maine is terrible. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Conan, o- Conan O'Brien calls Maine the deep south of the north. <laughs> okay. It's okay. totally accurate. It's totally accurate. Yeah. So he takes you in because you know how to roll and he helps you out, right? Yeah. So I get my GD I, Good. and I and I and I go out to Idaho and I'm out there and I'm like going to school and I'm Wait, why Idaho? Um, okay. So I had been out there. One of my skateboard buddies moved out there from Maine okay. and I went out there one time and, uh, and I like got laid and there was like in the concrete over there was like smoother, like than it was here and there were places to skate. And there yeah. was, a, there was like a skateboard <laughs> shop that would sponsor me. 
right? So I was like, I'll just go to college there. And they also had a good wildlife management program. And I wanted to get involved in captive breeding for endangered species, which I didn't know at the time is like the NFL or NBA of biology, right? Like oh, I, I had no chance of making that, right? <laughs> but, but, and especially cause I'm not smart, right? Like I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm emotionally yeah. uh, equipped like a woman, right? But I'm not intellectually sharp, you know? I, yeah. So like, you know, I kind of fuddled my way through school and never even really got into my major and I found a blues club and that was it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the skate, the skate crew you were in, it was, what was that? The, uh, uh, the, the Idaho white supremacist, uh, catch them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the funniest thing, dude, it's so funny. You would bring that up because the guy, the, the, the guy that I was skating with the most was the first black pro skateboarder. Oh. It's so weird that you would bring that up. His name was Gershon Mosley. And uh, <laughs> you know, we're still friends today. We yeah. talk we talk like once a year though. But yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's that one year it's that one year he gets a, a conjugal visit or a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was skating a lot out there. I grew up with a lot of skaters. Two of the skaters I grew up with in Maine went pro. Oh wow. Well, I, you know, I grew up hanging out on Venice Boardwalk. So you know. Yeah, I knew, I knew a lot of those guys. But for me, I couldn't skate to save my life. I could not skate or surf. I could not surf or skate, but I could boogie board. I was a good boogie boarder, but that was about it. Yeah, well, Venice, like Nottis and, uh, and Hasoe. Yes. Those are my heroes. You know, still to this day, those are the guys I look up to the most, you know. Yeah. One of the greatest things I ever saw on uh, on uh, on crack, no, 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 <laughs> on, on, on marijuana was I went down to uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers were doing a gig, and this is they weren't big yet; they were still like a just college band, you know. They were getting big, and we went down. I think it was near Manhattan Beach or somewhere like there, and they had this like stage, and all these all these LA bands were playing. And while they're playing, in the foreground of the stage are all these skate ramps. So you see these skaters zooming by and zooming up and down and doing all these, you know, hundreds of uh, uh, flips and flops and stuff while these punk rock bands are playing. And it was like, yeah. this is it. This yeah. is it. This yeah. is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Man. Right, right. And, like, growing up, like, in, in skateboarding, and being, I was already into punk rock. I was into skating too. And the two of them were just linked together. Like a lot of skaters yeah. had bands. There was the faction, you know, Fugazi was in the videos. The Minutemen were in yes. the videos, Firehose, all of that stuff. That was all in the videos that I was watching. Drunk Engines, all that stuff, all those bands, even the Beat Daddies. Right. Where yeah. that music was like in skate videos, so much of the music that shaped who I am, so much of the culture, the humor, the sarcasm, all of it came from skateboarding mixed with punk rock. Yeah. 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 Right definitely. On, right on. 
Beautiful. So I want to I want to get to uh, so, some of these these high points here. Um, so so from Idaho, you, you get into the blues there. You you're studying yeah. with some blues scholars, and you think, well, Memphis would be a good place for me to go, and because I guess you 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 are developing a relationship, or you go there and develop a relationship with Pat Ramsey, uh, Johnny Winter's harmonica player. Dude, nailed it. Like, you did your homework, man. I appreciate it. Like, yeah, that guy, I just heard, like, I was a stout traditionalist, little, like, if it didn't happen between 55 and 61 on chess or Excello or Sun Records, I didn't think it was legitimate music. You know, I, I literally threw away my punk records and became a blues Nazi, right? And it was just okay. like, that was all I was interested in. I just... I discarded all other forms of music and forgot about all of it and, and, and just be delved into the blues. I, I threw away all my old clothes. I started wearing suits. I putting my hair in a pompadour and and then I get to Uh Memphis. Right. And, and I hear this guy playing like guitar licks on a harmonica and it's undeniably cool. And even though it's like supposedly like I, I was taught, you know, over and over less is more, Jason, and this is how it's done. And you don't need pedals and none of this stuff. And like when I heard this guy, it was obvious that, you know, that was kind of like, uh, you know, some dogma, right? Like a little bit like right. this guy is unbelievable. And how am I going to deny that? So I just moved there and got a job waiting tables and I just went to all of his gigs. And then that kind of gets you to to the Kimbros, which is where I really am, am leading here because, you know, I love that yeah. North Mississippi hill country music, you know, and, and ultimately R.L. Burnside because right, you know, I played right. in the Panther Burns and, and you know, we're, we're, we were very devoted to, to, to R.L. Burnside and that, that whole style. So you actually lived with the Kimbros for yeah. what a year or so and played uh, in those yeah. bands with rl tell us about that so it was, it was like i was in memphis and I, I was i was already starting to smoke crack i had started doing cocaine started smoking crack i went from an apartment into like a flop house situation like 20 dollars a week kind of thing you know rats and stuff and you know i'm i'm i've kind of I'm like playing on the street every day for money. And, you know, and one night I'm out there and little Jimmy King, who was, I don't know if you know, remember him, but he was a guitar player, young black guy, hot shot guy who played like Albert King. And, you know, Albert King had sort of adopted him. Right. And, Gave him okay. the name Little Jimmy King. He's playing at BB King's, and I have a boombox, a solid state transistor boombox with a tape deck that has a quarter inch input and takes batteries. So I'm uh-huh. blowing, I'm blowing into that thing out in front of the club. It's not, bo- you know, you can't hear it well enough to bother the people in the club. But I'm using uh-huh. that as my backing track, and I'm uh-huh. playing. And and Gary Burnside. RL's close to the youngest at the time, right? At the time, Mm -hmm. RL had 13 kids. And and Dwayne Burnside, uh, who was older, and uh, David Kimbrough, David Malone Kimbrough, Junior's oldest son. And Kenny Kimbrough, who's also called Kent, 
Kimbrough, who's like by far the most stable of the Kimbros in, in you know, at that time, right? Uh, they all mm-hmm. come walking down the street and they see me. So they had heard Lee Oscar from war and they were into war. So they were open to the idea of hiring me instead of a saxophone player, which is what they were looking for. So okay. they, so most people wouldn't, when you listen to junior and RL, you don't think of saxophones, you know, or something like that, but you got to realize that the kids were much more modern than junior and, and RL. Right. And like they had bands where they're doing prints and, and, uh, and like ZZ Hill and uh, like, uh, you know, uh, Clarence Carter and that whole Mississippi like soul blues thing, Denise LaSalle, Bobby Rush, that stuff's right. big. It's big there. I mean, and, and it's on the radio. And I don't mean like on the left hand side of the dial. We're talking in Mississippi. It's up there like 104 point whatever, right? Right, right. That's mainstream. Yeah, it was mainstream. So they, they bring me down there and like David like levels with me. He's like, look, man, I know you got problems, right? And he's talking about crack and stuff. And he's like, look, you can't do that, but I'll give you weed and I'll give you corn whiskey and you can sleep in this room and you come play with me. The very first gig, I go to this little club called Sue's. It was the same night I got there. I like set up my mattress and all I had was a mattress, an amp, and a couple of shark skin suits, right? I, I set up my uh, mattress. I go to the gig and I, 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 we pull up and someone gets stabbed in the parking lot right when we get there. Okay. Go into the, into the club, which they, you know, they buy beer down the street and they resell it. They, they got corn liquor there. There's back rooms with God knows what going on, mostly gambling. Okay. People uh-huh. smoking, people smoking weed right in the club, smoking crack right in the club. Okay. You know, and, and, and I <laughs> sit down on my amp. I'm, I'm the only white person for miles, miles, right? You know, right. I sit down on the amp. So that nobody, everyone's looking at me. What are you doing here? What's, what's your motive? You know, like, are you trying to prove something by being here? Right. No. So I sit on my amp, like sure. this is, this is why I'm here. I'm here for music. Right. And, and David comes up and introduces me to RL Burnside. So I had heard RL acoustically on a French import one night doing blow with this guy, Bart Pate from Alabama, who owned a record uh, company called Alley Cat Records that it was made the last known recording of Johnny Shines. So he had introduced me to RL and he had even played me going down South on guitar. And so I heard RL and I was familiar with this music, but here I am sitting right next to RL and I got to play with him. So it was just RL and me, no drums, no bass. And we did a few songs together, and that's how it all started. Then the gigs were mostly every Sunday at Junior's Juke Joint, which was, you know, down, uh, I think, Highway 7, right? You know, it's like, it's not in Holly Springs anymore. You kind of get out to, like, Senatobia, that area right Right. there. And we would go out there, and it was pretty, it was pretty, like, much different than that Sue's gig, which was in Holly Springs. The, the, The more you got out in the country believe it or not, like the safer it was. And then like people started to know me and like know that I was with David and, you know, and then started playing with Junior, playing with RL. And at that time, 
guys, nobody knew who they were. Like, no, it, they were not in the magazines. They were not, you know, right. they, they would occasionally appear in the way back of Living Blues in a tiny article about, like, where are they now? So, so like, the movie Deep Blues had come out. Okay, so that it was a documentary about that. And that kind of started getting people interested, right? And like there okay. was another there was another white kid there when I got there na- named Eric Deaton who is now plays with a band called Afro Sippy and gave like Luther and Cody guitar lessons, okay? From okay. uh the, from the All-Stars. He's there. He's right, playing yeah. Ba- yeah, he's playing bass and guitar for various bands. Cause like, man, it, you know, like when you're there, like the, it's nothing for their, not for the drummer to just not come to the gig. Right. Or, or like on yeah. a set, on a set break to not come back. So like, and all these guys came up in the church. So what that means is they play every instrument. They play drums, guitar, piano, they, everybody sings like a bird. You know what I mean? It's just like, so okay. like, yeah, so Eric's in there kind of like as the fill-in guy, and he's another white face, so I can kind of go like, whoa, this shit's crazy, right? You know what I mean? You know, so like, <laughs> yeah, right, you know, like we're hanging and stuff, and I'm playing with everybody all the time. I'm making like 35 bucks a week, uh, 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 some weed and corn liquor, and, and I'm living for free and eating food, and it's okay. So let me ask you something. You're the only white guy at this black club. Did you get framed for that guy getting shot? Oh, stabbed, stabbed. Oh, stabbed, yeah. Yeah, no, man, no. I think, like, in many ways, like, man, like, to be real about it, bro, like, I think, like, I probably got special treatment in the black community. Like, I I think I probably got away with more shit than I should have because there was still, like, a stigma of like, don't fuck with a white guy or the cops will fuck with us. Right. So like, right. I think there was still some fear of like retaliation right now. Don't get well, me wrong. It's just like a little bit of white privilege. I yeah, guess, man, right? for real, for real. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I still got my ass whooped a couple times. Okay. Like it happened. Right. But like, I got away with some shit too. Yeah. Yeah. You were asking for it. I'm sure you were. A, a, a couple of times. <laughs> Did you sleep with their women? Yeah, I slept with David Kimbrough's cousin. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Jason, let's let's move along to. So, you you put in your time with with in the the North Mississippi uh, hill country there, but then uh, a few years later, you you uh, you record your first record, Jason Ritchie, and then now you're down in Florida. I ended up in rehab in Florida. Right. After like uh, things blew up at the Kimbros, like David beat the fuck out of me one night over really over like uh, over an incident. He took my car and he was gone for a couple of days. And I had like taken for granted the fact that David had given me a place to live and, a, you know, a musical experience that basically if I wanted to, I could build a career upon. Right. I I didn't Uh even, I wasn't even thinking, I was just like, he took my car and he's gone. I need to stand up for myself. Right. Like this is the right thing to do is to stand up for myself. So like for two or three days, like I practiced karate kicks in the yard and shit. And then finally, like (laughs) he comes home, right. Yeah. He comes home, he's drunk 
And I'm like, and he, and I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, the baby was at the hospital, right? Like an excuse I can't fight with, right? But I did. I was like, well, are they serving beer at the hospital? And then the next thing you know, (laughs) I got my ass kicked. So like I just packed up that night and left. And that was the end of my Kimbrough thing. And then like later they John Spencer Blues Explosion did the record Ass Pocket of Whiskey with RL. And that's what put right. North Mississippi really on the map. It wasn't Fat Possum right. was not the label that put them on the map. It was that record that put them on the okay. map. It put Fat Possum on the map. After that shit, that shit blew up. And then you had like Steven Tyler going to visit and shit, right? You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. Yeah. Right. So like it was in Julia Roberts movies and shit, but like that music was not like, like even blues people didn't consider that blues. Right. It was like, it was like yeah. punk. Yeah. It was like punk yeah. blue. Yeah. So like I, compared I, to like Chicago compared to the Chicago stuff. Yeah. It's a different world, man. It's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. way backwards. But, Right, like one chord and no structure. Like you, you go to the four when Junior sings the four. Man, you know what I mean? Right. Like trance music. Yeah, it could be four and a half bars. It could be eleven. Right, you just fucking right. listen. Right, yeah, you listen and then you move. Right, and the the kids right. all know that's like one of the reasons it's a family music is it's, you you almost have to grow up with it. Right, it's like you know, it's like you can't really just learn it. Like by listening to the records and then go to the gig and expect to play it. Cause it's not going to be played like the record. Yeah. They're gonna, right. It's going to be new. It's going to be a different form every time they play it. Every time. Right. Every time. And, and that's what's so beautiful about it. But like, so I had been down in Jackson where I had gotten some charges, all, all shoplifting. And uh, my mother who had some money was like, yo, you want to go to rehab? And I'm like, yeah, now's a great time. So I don't have, so I, I, you know, this is back before the internet, right? Uh, I can leave Mississippi. There's not going to be any extradition. I just don't go back for five years. I'm good. Right. Which is exactly Mm -hmm. what happened. Right. Those charges are gone now, you know? So I, I end up, I end up in Florida at a rehab. It's a crazy rehab, right? Like it was the last one that Kurt Cobain was in before he killed himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a crazy place. It's like not unlike my father's. It's confrontational therapy, you know, dunce caps and signs that you got to walk around with. And you got to, you get handcuffed oh, to a dude for two, three days. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, right? You're, you're, well, we've always said Florida is a little different. Man, yeah. <laughs> but this was, this was like Boca. Right. Like this is like New Jersey. Right. Basically. Right. You know, so okay. like, right. Yeah. So I, I, I run away from the rehab. I get another charge. This one's a big one. It's a strong arm robbery charge for purse snatching. Now, the only redeeming factor I have for a scumbag charge like that is that I turned myself in. I was like, this is ridiculous. I need to stop. Maybe jail will help. Right. So this was all like drug related. You're still you still have a bad drug problem. That's 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 what yeah. what promotes yeah. the whole the whole property crime. Oh well, I, does the purse purse match your outfit? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, I get I get I do a year. I get out of jail and I start like I start playing um, in like local bands in Florida while I'm still on probation. 
and but then you quickly start winning harmonica contests. So you come right yeah. out of a a, yeah. a stretch in, in 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 jail, and and your harmonica playing is such that you you start making a a big splash by winning these contests and making records. And and did, did they give you a harmonica while you were in jail? No. No. Oh, because that's the old, that's a stereotype. You get a harmonica right. thing right. in jail that you get. You well, know, I got, like, when I got to work release at, at nine months, they let me have it back. And uh, I was in like a boot camp kind of jail. Uh, and even, yeah. even there, they didn't let me have the harmonica, you know? So it was, oh, wow. I went nine months. I've been in jail a few times and both times for about a year. And neither places, yeah. This that stereotype is true in some prisons. You can yeah. you can have a harmonica for a period of the day, and then you have to okay. give it back, and it's inspected to make sure you didn't take any pieces out of it to make shit. You know, right? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Manny, um, this seems like a good time to to uh, refill our cocktails, don't you think? Yes. Yes. Let's do that. Um, uh, uh, Jason, uh, yeah. the drill is the drill is that we take a, a few seconds to go refill our cocktail, and the nation, the troubled nation, knows what we're doing. So uh, we'll be right back. Beautiful. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Jason Ritchie. Now, Jason, we have a, a great product that we've been associated with for a few months now. And uh, Manny, why don't you tell Jason all about this product? <laughs> Jason, this product is called the Velo Bar. V-E-L-O-B-A-R, Velo Bar. Mm. It's a CBD bar. It's got 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. It's a great bar. It comes in two great flavors, dark chocolate and peanut butter. It's a healthy protein bar that'll fill you up and it'll calm you down, you know? Ooh, it's nice. Just enough to take the edge off. And everyone's stressed out right now with uh, everything you know that's going on in our world. Oh, yeah. It's a plant-based protein bar with superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, chia seeds, 
and of course, 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. It could be used as a breakfast bar, a after workout bar, after you know doing some yard work kind of bar. It, it, it really, it's a great product, and we we're, we're so happy to be associated with it for the past uh, what six, eight months or whatever, and it's doing really well. And uh, we're happy to have them as a as a, uh, a sponsor, if you say or whatever. And right now, Jason, right now, okay, if you go to if you go to velobarcbd.com and make an order and use the discount code TroubledMen15, you'll get fifteen percent off your order and free shipping. Okay, so, yes. okay. So tell all you, yeah. So you know, check it out. And and since you're a guest of the show. You will get your own free gift bag of Velo bars sent to your house next week. Oh, first one's go. free. Yeah, the first one's free. That's right. That's, yeah, you know how it works. <laughs> yeah, you know how it works. That little taste, they give you a taste first, and you That's come right. back for more and more and more and more. It's always that first taste that's great. You know, so uh, let's hope you, you dig it like you dig other stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so anyway, go to VeloBarCBD.com. The nation knows the drill. Get 15% off. I use the Troubleman 1.5 discount code. And as always, shipping is free. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, nice. Any, so what else you got, Renee? Well, so as always, uh, Trouble Nation, if you want to support the podcast directly, you can jump on that PayPal link in the show notes or the Facebook page and uh, buy us a cocktail or, you know, contribute to our operating costs. And because we have all this terrific content, fabulous guests like uh, Jason Ritchie. Hey, Jason. Yeah. Jason, you (laughs) talked about... uh you worked with B.B. King? No, I never worked with B.B. Oh, I no. thought you had mentioned him earlier before we took the break. <laughs> little Jimmy King. Yeah, Little Jimmy King oh. yeah, was uh, Albert King's protege. Yeah, that was just right, – I never right. got very – I never got real close to B.B. Well, do you, do you remember this old story about B.B. King? Um, his wife – uh, he'd been together with his wife for many, many years, and she wanted to surprise him with a special birthday gift. And so she got, she went to a tattoo artist and got uh, tattooed on her left cheek B and her right cheek B. And, uh, you know, because she loved him so much, she, she got a tattoo on her ass of B and B. And he comes home. You know, he comes home or whatever, and she pulls down her drawers and flashes her ass, and he says, who's Bob? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. So, so Jason, uh, starting in, in, in 2010, you win the Best Harmonica Player from the Blues Music Awards. It's a very, yeah. very prestigious award. And, you know, Manny, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Jason is considered one of the top harmonica players in the world, not just the United States or New Orleans, but in the world. You know, he mentioned Howard Levy, you know, and Howard Levy is, is, is right up there. And I know he's, he's you know, there's a certain kind of uh, harmonica algebra that you guys understand that just leaves the rest of us kind of dumbfounded, you know. And 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 just just to 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 go on a little bit about Jason, you know, Jason, you're you're 
your your harmonica playing transcends the genre and to to me it transcends the 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 instrument it's it, it it in your hands the harmonica becomes like a a unique voice you know either the tone you get the purity of tone i mean i'm not the only person to, to say this but you know there's there's tons of harmonica players but but you know there's only one jason ritchie you know that so but Jason, you're you know you're so good at the harmonica, and I've always wanted to know this about harp players. Are do women love you going down on them? I think yeah, I think that it's good. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought for sure that would be the case. Yeah, <laughs> because we had a didn't we have a harp player on about a year ago, and we were discussing. But are there any any famous uh, female harmonica players? Yeah, Annie Rains, who is uh, played largely in an acoustic duo named uh, uh, Paul Rochelle with Paul Rochelle. So they're kind of like they do a lot of old Piedmont stuff. And but then of course, uh, Big Mama Thornton was the. First. That's who I was going to say because I looked it up. I looked it up when we had Johnny on the show, and the only one we yeah. could find was Big Mama Thornton. Yeah, well, right now there's a, re, a like a huge uh, influx of, of women playing harmonica very, very well right now. Yeah. Really? Yeah, particularly- Do you know their names? Yeah, India <laughs> Safair is okay. one. She's out of Brazil. Uh, all right. Okay. There's another one named Natu Ciara, uh, also out of Brazil. Brazil, harmonica music is very popular in Brazil. So that wow. yeah, their their harmonica players are yeah, that's a very big instrument there. Uh, not just the chromatic, but the diatonic. But it's been used a lot down there, and blues is very popular. But but any harmonica music is very popular. So you got those two. Um, there's a a young lady out of Boston named Cheryl Arena, and uh, but really uh, it's it. India is the one that is putting it on the map now for, for everybody, you know. What about these classic rockers like Mick Jagger and, mm -hmm. and, Butter, and Butterfield and stuff? Uh, how are they? Where do they rank to um, you? Okay, like Butterfield is one of the best ever, okay, period, uh, on the instrument. Like he redefined the, the – he started playing like a lot more like a guitar player. There was mm -hmm. a, He was a piano player first. There's a developed sense of harmony. He's not trying to like imitate little Walter. So there's not like this like traditionalist or retro worship thing going on. You know, he's not trying right. to dress like those guys or talk like those guys. He's really actually a lot more like those guys in the respect that he's just being himself. So right. Butterfield's significant. Muscle White is also significant. So, you know, both of those guys came up at the feet of Little Walter in Chicago and Sonny Boy and Cotton and all them cats. Now, when you get into the big rock stars like Mick Jagger and stuff, most of those guys are average or two below or below, below average harmonica players. You you can hear a respect for their instrument. They're, they're not playing it in the key of the instrument. So, which is more blues type of thing to do. Like, like for example, like Bob Dylan and Neil Young frequently play a C harp in the key of C, like this kind of stuff, like, yeah. right. Whereas, <laughs> whereas like at least Mick Jagger was playing down here. Like, right. 
Right. So, like, those cats Cross are just. Harp, the, right? the, yeah, yeah. Huey Lewis is probably the best of the hmm. famous rock and rollers to play harmonica, other than, of course, the great John Popper. Okay. Well, I love well, Huey Lewis. Me too. So moving along, um, you know, after winning the the best harmonica player award yeah. in 2010, yeah. you 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 your career path is set, but you're still not done with drugs at that point. Yeah, I was sober 12 years from 98 from the minute I went to jail, okay, until 2010. In 2010, I kind of got everything I wanted. And I wasn't happy with it or I wanted more of it. So that began when I started using dope again. And then there were like suicide attempts and mental illness and homelessness and more times going to jail in and out of mental institutions. And that's when I kind of came down. here. Where is that? In Florida still? No, that's pretty much here. So, oh, here uh, so yeah, I get loaded in Nashville. By this time, I have a boyfriend. I've been with seven years. I have a record label. I got my own divider in the stores. I'm touring all over the world. I'm like, I'm hot. I'm like the Samantha Fish of the time, right? And okay. like, you know, yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm gay. I'm out. I'm a hundred percent gay. I'm not sleeping with women. I found my my niche, right? I'm with dudes. I'm with a dude. That I love. Okay. We got a, we're, we're, we got money in the bank. Everything's great. He leaves me. I get loaded. I'm back on drugs. Next thing you know, I'm homeless in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Well, you know, you we skipped over you uh, coming out, um, which you did earlier in, in your career than, yeah. than this period. But you, you, you said some really interesting things about that. And you were, you're talking about... Uh, how the gay community didn't really wasn't really into the blues and the blues community wasn't really into didn't really embrace the queer world so it kind of left you in the in the in the lurch it left you in between those two things talk about that a little bit well you you nailed it i mean in one sentence you summed it up i mean like like look like i mean i really wanted to sleep with men don't get me wrong like i mean i didn't just come out of the closet man i mean i i was at the bar every night Right. I was on gate. I I was on gay.com. Like I had had like three one night stands in my life with women and had probably slept with a total of five women and I'm 28. Okay. Right. So like David, David Kimbrough's cousin was one of them. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. and I, my attraction to women was largely emotional. Okay. And there was a definite physical attraction, but it wasn't like, prominent. When I started recognizing that I was okay with maybe being attracted to men, and I finally first kissed a boy at 28 years old, it was on. It was on. All right. So yeah. And the gay community, you know, we're men, we're men. You know, there's no there's no like courtship. There's nothing. You, you walk into the bar, you see somebody you're attracted to, you, you introduce yourself. You're like, you're hot. The next question is where, right? right. In, in the, in the bathroom, in the car, uh, out back, my house, your house, you know, it, it was nothing <laughs> for me. Right. Right. I loved it. 
I loved it. I just adored it. I learned everything I knew about being gay from the TV series Queer as Folk, which was on at the time. I I did no idea. I was terrified. I grew up Catholic in Maine. You know, I was like, I just did in the blues world. I was like, what's going to happen? But finally, I just said like 2002, I was with a woman. She's like, she breaks up with me. She's like, listen, do yourself a favor. Go out with a guy. Just try it. Just try it. She was so right. Right. It was the easiest thing I ever did. It was like so much easier than being with women. And I was still attracted to women, but there was a lot of pressure from the gay community that were like, you know, look, man, that was a phase, bro. Like you're home. Was that, yeah. was that woman Chelsea Clinton? <laughs> no, no. But when I came out, everybody said that that woman's name was Sunshine. And when I came out, everybody was like, well, yeah, wasn't Sunshine a boy? <laughs> yeah. But you had, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Your time in prison in Florida, you never... You never ate salad? No, like, uh, it was like, remember, it was like a boot camp. I told you it was kind of, uh, okay, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, you get, it, it, okay, the condition of that, were like, okay, my sentence was 12 years in prison. Holy okay, God. I had to serve, a, 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 yeah, I did, right, so I did a year at this place. If you screw up at that place, you do your full sentence uh, so nobody was sucking dick nobody was fighting right. nobody was trading food we were good you know yeah right uh, okay right. good nice. well good i'm glad nice. glad to hear that yeah well yeah. so so you you realize that that is actually a super freeing thing to you when because you know just being yourself you know and identity okay. is is so and you get to decide well what that is what 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 is jason Ritchie really all about and in fact you at some point um well we're skipping over all of your bands you know you start the the bad kind which you still have right. your your yeah. band jason Ritchie and the bad kind before that you had jason Ritchie and new blood and all this yeah. is huge professional success and all of these people that you idolized, uh, you know, Charlie Musselwhite, uh, Howard Levy, you wind up actually playing with all those people. All of your yeah. idols are now your peers. Yeah. And, and it, it's crazy, man. And, crazy, uh, crazy. Yeah. And, and, and then you, you actually, you know, from, from studying with Pat Ramsey, who was uh, Johnny Winter's harmonica player, you actually wind up playing with, with Johnny Winter there in the, in the, the like 2015 or something who I love Johnny Winter. I'm, exactly. I'm a huge fan. I always oh, have been. Man. He's, man. Uh, he's, he's, yeah. he's, that must've been amazing to, to be around that guy. Cause talk about someone who's oh. very accomplished, but also very um, down to earth, humble, uh, you know, just loves the blues, man. What, what, what was that like hanging around with him all the time? Renee, it was so incredible. It was so incredible. Like, so there was an article in a blues magazine. It was an interview with, with winner. And in the article, they asked him like, who's like doing it now? Like who's the hot shit that you like now? And this is like 2014 ish. And I'm like, uh -huh. I'm on probation again in Indiana. I had just gotten out of doing a year, a year in jail. I, I'm, I'm like fat. I'm like 250 pounds. I'm living with a wow. pedophile. Like yeah. Manny. I'm living with, I'm living with a pedophile in a trailer. 
out in the woods in Indiana, right? That's God, it sounds like an episode of True Detective. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> met, dude, literally the guy is having sex with his daughter. Like who's Oh God. Yeah, like like voluntarily. She's doing it too. She's like twenty now. And she's still oh. she's still fucking her dad. All right. Like oh, and God. they're like do they're like doing meth and it's like you know, it's like $300 a month, man. It's a room, right? And like, you know, like I had gotten busted. Like John McKenzie Phillips, man. Man, it was so <laughs> crazy, right? So John, so I read this article and Johnny Winter's like, yeah, Jason Ritchie's the, the, the dude right now. Like this kid's wow. hot. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, he's going to call me, right? I knew yeah. it. I knew right then. So I get a call from his manager. He doesn't say what it's about, but- you know, it ends up being a recording. I drive up to New York. I book a little tour. Probation lets me, right? They let me mm-hmm. leave the state. For I had a great probation officer. She loved, like, I, when I played the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I wasn't supposed to leave to do that. She's like, yo, just get me Tom Morello's autograph and we're good. Because right. <laughs> okay. we skipped over that, Manny. You mentioned Paul Butterfield. You actually inducted Paul Butterfield into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you performed on that show. Yeah, I don't know which is better, playing with Winner or that. They were both they were both huge, right? Yes. Yeah. But but Johnny Winter's incredible. I, it wasn't my best performance. I didn't really like see eye to eye with the producer. They only gave me two takes, and the first one was a wash. I had never even heard the song. I didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know what key right. it was in. You know, I, right. I literally I walk in there. It's like seven in the morning, right? And like, Ugh. and they put the headphones on me. It starts it starts clicking, and th- and then they want that take. And there were like, it was my babe by little Walter, but there were breaks in it. The entire uh-huh. band was scratch. Like Johnny winter wasn't even on the track yet. It was somebody else singing a different bass player, different drummer. So I'm the first, the, the instrument that you hear on that Grammy award winning record on the song, my babe, the, the first instrument recorded actually recorded was harmonica, right. which is Totally oh, backwards. Totally. Yeah. They built the whole right, track right. around you. That's crazy. <laughs> Man. So like I argued with the producer. I got a second take. I walk in. I'm totally nervous. I and Johnny Winter's there, right? He's the only reason I got the second take. He wasn't there yet when I was doing the first one. And they uh-huh. and he, and I was and he walks in while I'm arguing with the producer over let me do a second pass. I didn't know what key right. it was in. The harmonica was out of tune. I didn't know there were breaks. Just give me one more shot. And he's like, nope, that's it. You know, you're done, right? Like, go home. And I'm like, no, man, uh-huh. please. This is the most important recording of my life. You have to let me have one more pass. And Winter walks in. He's like, look, give the kid one more shot. And so I got a better take. It was not my favorite. I, I was not, I'm still not happy with it, right? But whatever. I walk into the, the thing. Winter sits me down. Uh, um, and, and he's like, so how you been? I'm nervous. I'm like, well, look, I, I was sober and I'm not, I'm sober now. I got sober just for this recording. I'm like 90 days sober and I was in jail, but I'm not. And he puts his hand on my leg and he goes, so what you're trying to tell me is you quit smoking crack and you feel like shit. And, and I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's fucking boring, isn't it? 
And I said, <laughs> I, I said, I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, welcome home. So you want to, well, what do you want to talk about? Right. That was it. Yeah. Nice. Did you bring him some suntan lotion? <laughs> man, he was sharp, man. Like a lot of people talk about it. Like I had like preconceived notions, like prejudices, like because he's cross-eyed and frail and hunched over and old and shit. I thought like maybe he wasn't sharp, sharp as a tack, like a mind reader, like empath level sharp. Right. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's one of those. He just looks like one of those kind of guys. Is like, hey, you think you could pull something over him? But no fucking way. Uh-uh. You know, no man. Spooky. Yeah. Spooky, yeah. Man. Spooky is right, Renee. Spooky's right. Yeah. 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 Like a sage. Yeah. Is he still alive? No, he passed away a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, right before the Grammys. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that's how I knew he was going to win. They love to give that shit to dead people, man. <laughs> right, right, sure, sure. Well, if you start smoking crack again, you might be up for a nomination. Okay. <laughs> I, surprisingly, I always do better when I'm sober. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine yes, that. Yes, yeah, exactly. yes, yes. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jason, we always like to say the Troubleman podcast is like an AA meeting without all the fucking sobriety. So. <laughs> Uh, but that's for us. But, you know, again, I, as, as we were preparing for this, Manny, I, I said to Jason, you know, I said, you know, I know you're sober, but Manny and I are going to have drinks. That's not a problem. He goes, I don't care what the fuck you do. I'm like, that's, <laughs> yeah. the kind of, that's the kind of person in the program I like, you know? It's like, yeah, you have I, to do the thing for you, but we get to do the thing for us. And, you do, and everybody uh, respects the, the uh, other's choices. Oh, man, my first band back sober is, is John Leesey. And Sam Hotchkiss, right? You know Sammy, right? Okay. You know, right, we're right, talking right, right. Uh, from Juice. Yeah, yeah, that's my guitar right. player. So I'm like, right. Im- I'm immediately surrounded by Coke and alcohol and everything in the van, on the road, you know, oh, first geez. day sober. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you got to be iron-willed. Man, I, just, I feel more uncomfortable when people aren't getting loaded, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, well... Very good. Well, well. So moving on. So then, y- you surprise even yourself, maybe, and and you fall in love with a woman and you get married. Yep, exactly. Yep, my the, it's great story. So the there's a woman uh, who was like a, a prisoner advocate in the jail in Indiana, and mm-hmm. she, and I'm trying to get moved to a different like lower security section. And, uh, you know, I, so I have to meet with her. She, she Googles me. She's like, holy shit. Like you actually did shit. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, look, my daughter's a musician. When you get out, maybe you guys can talk or whatever. So I get out and I, you know, had dinner with her mother a couple of times. I liked her. She was cool. She was in there like making sure that the guards don't taser people to death and getting us classes, you know, and GEDs and shit like that. And, you know, she's a good woman. She initially was brought into the jail by Amnesty International, you know, very cool woman. So I actually like get the CD of her daughter and I'm thinking, you know, this is going to suck, you know, and I put it on and I'm like, holy crap, this girl's incredible. Like, I love her lyrics. I love her voice. So I go to her Facebook page and I'm like, you know what? I'm 
think I'm kind of attracted to her, right? But I don't want to admit it. You know, I'm a mess. My life's a mess. Uh We end up on the phone. We're spending like sometimes seven, eight, 12, 13 hours on the phone. A couple of years later, we're, we're in love. And uh, yeah, and I've been, we, we got married at the Maple Leaf. This uh, is so the daughter or the, or the lawyer? The, the daughter of the prisoner advocate, yeah. Okay, the daughter of the prisoner advocate. Yeah, okay, Kate, right. Caitlin Dibble. So she was like a Massachusetts singer-songwriter out of uh, Cambridge and Lowell. Okay. Wow. Yeah, she moved down to Indiana just to hang out with me. And, uh, and then now she's, she plays with me in my band. She, she sings blues and does her own originals and shit. And so you've been married how long? Um, five years coming up this year. Yeah. So what does your boyfriend think about it? Ha! Yeah, no, she, she, that's a great question. She, she, <laughs> she loves that. Like the only way I can be in a heterosexual relationship is if somebody like allows me that. So we talk about guys all the time, you know, particularly before sex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just to get everybody going. All that's, right. your, that's your foreplay, right? Yeah. It definitely. Definitely, Manny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And how much younger is she than you? Three years. Oh, well, that's not too bad. No, okay. no, no, she's smart as a tack. She's funny. She loves podcasts, loves stand-up comedy. I've learned every like niche stand-up comedian from being. Well, there. she's going to hate me in this podcast. Then. <laughs> <laughs> she's brilliant. She's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy for you. Well, yes. Yeah. You guys are yeah. so sweet together. Thanks. Thanks. Well, um, we're kind of getting near the end of the podcast, but I, I want to go over some of the things we've skipped. Like, you're, you have a tremendous uh, instructional um, urge. You, you teach so many students online. You're involved with the, with the Harmonica Collective where you, you have a convention, you go and teach people, and it's, again, you and, and all of these uh, idols of yours that, that now you're... you're these are your peers and and i was i was looking at your youtube channel you have like over 300 uh youtube videos of like i don't know what the percentage is but a lot of instructional free instructional videos and then a lot of live gigs of your incredible playing so everybody everybody should check that out and then and then uh you know you all these these records you're you constantly putting out, putting out, you know, the, the last one you, you put out on, on, uh, Jason Ritchie and the bad kind was, uh, my chops are rolling from right. uh, a terrific record. And I know you guys were are a hard touring band all the time. So, you know, yeah. COVID yeah. hit and you were telling me today that, well, uh, now, uh, you know, I was already doing a lot of online teaching. So I just switched to, that's all I do is online yeah. teaching all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. And I upped the YouTube you know, so I'm my YouTube channel now is finally actually taking off. Like, I I really took for granted that you know I had twenty five thousand subscribers, you know, because my wow. channel's sixteen years old, and it, it okay. would be like two or it would be like two or three hundred thousand subscribers if I had ever put any effort into the channel. But this yeah. year after COVID, like I realized that like I can actually make money with YouTube. And so I'm going to, by the end of this year, it conservatively, I'm going to be making 
way more money from YouTube than from I ever did from teaching or from touring, you know, just wow. from YouTube. Yeah. And so I've been working on that. I've been trying to get my Instagram up, Jason Ritchie 93, and trying to cross market between those two things. You know, I use Facebook really just for getting students and communicating with people, but I, mm. I, large, I largely stay away from that platform because it's problematic, right? You, you know, okay. like, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just love YouTube. I'm very grateful to the people that have been supporting me. They support me through uh, an organization or uh, another website called Patreon, which, you know, I joined in. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, instead of like doing a seminar and asking 30 harmonica players for 40 bucks, I'm asking everybody to give me a dollar a month for, you know, a one lesson every Friday, no matter what, at least one lesson every Friday. Right. So hopefully, you know, I can get 20,000 people giving me a dollar a month and, and, you know, then I can do whatever I want. And like that, it's really changed my attitude. Like you mentioned Doug below, right. And and like you, like Renee, right. Like if I want like top flight musicians for a tour, I can go do that now. Right. Because that's what COVID has taught me. Right. I I don't want to tour anymore for money. I want to tour for promotion. I want next time I hit a stage, I want to have every member of that band. I don't care if that drummer costs $750 for one gig. I want that drummer. Right. I'm going to play with that guy and I'm going to treat if we ever go back to normal, I'm going to treat performing like an honor. Like, like I want to put on the best show that I possibly can instead of trudging the road, you know, like with just with whatever I can do. And, you know, I've totally changed, man. This COVID thing has taught me a lot. It's taught me a lot. Okay, nice, nice, man. Because, you know, it's true. I used to see, I'd watch your touring schedule and y'all would do these long deadhead drives in between dates and small clubs. Oh, I'm thinking, man. what is Jason doing? Man. He's, you know, how he's he, he doesn't appreciate what he is. You know, you don't appreciate. Man, kill you know, it, killing my killing myself yes yeah and like i mean the whole reason the whole reason i moved here renee and this isn't to kiss your ass bro but it's to be around cats like you like the the iguanas galactic doug below anders osborne right like the dirty dozen dr john you know uh uh booker james booker this is the music that i love it's not blues it's not jazz it's not latin it's not big fredia man all of it man and all of it. And this city is like the most incredible place. And, th- and and like when I got here, man, they told me right away. They're like, yo, Jay, don't overdo Frenchman Street, bro. Don't do it. You know, if you want to get a gig at the Leaf, if you want to play at Tips, if you want to play at Chicky Wawa, you need to not play for free. Right. And that's yep, when I yep. st- that's when I started meeting you guys. And that's when I started meeting the cool cats. And, you know, I love my boys. I love my work band, my road band. And I'll play with them guys and record with those guys, hopefully for the rest of my life. But, like, right now I'm, I'm working with Joe Crown. I got a hip organ trio. We're doing Jimmy Smith tunes, Crusader songs, Grant Green. I'm pushing my instrument to the limit. 
You know, I'm happy playing New Orleans funk more than any other kind of music, you know, for fun. I like that instrumental shit. Yeah. Jimmy Smith is one of my heroes, man. Can we get him on the show, Renee? <laughs> Jimmy Smith? I think Jimmy Smith is dead, Manny. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'd like to get it. Well, we could still, we'll see you. We'll call his agent. See if we, we can get, get We could get Joe Crown on the on the podcast. Uh, that, that'd that. be, That's, uh, oh, you can get Doug Bloat to do a Joe Crown imitation, and it'd be just as good as Joe well, <laughs> Doug's been on the show. He was actually the last guest at the ring room before oh, quarantine. That's right. That's did right. You, yeah, did yeah, you guys yeah. did you get him to do any imitations like Vidakovich or anything? I've seen all those. I don't think he did those on the on the podcast, but yes, no, he's, he's, no, he's quite a good that. mimic. Actually, he was he was uh, toying with me that he was working on a Manny Chevrolet imitation, Manny. So. If we have him, uh, okay. we have him back on. Well, we'll he's going to nail it. Nail it. I hope he does. I hope he does. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. One day we'll be back in the ring room. And, yes, you know. yes, yes. Uh, I can't so wait. So it sounds like a show, Renee. It doesn't it sure sound like does, a show? man. God, uh, Jason, it was worth the wait, man. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, uh, again, I'm so thrilled to have you. I, 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 I'm so honored that you know you consider me a peer because i i certainly you know oh uh, man iguanas are top flight bro you guys are the best i told you before the show man there's nothing that you guys don't play convincingly it's just and it's fun there's no, it's never an intellectual you know tour it's everything you do everything that band does sounds natural and i told you man rod is one of my favorite guitar players of all time period Yep, I was as I was telling you, Rod is a guy who never sings or plays anything. Where I think, gee, I wish you wouldn't have done that, or I wish you wouldn't <laughs> do that anymore. Every it's all golden. There's a, he's 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 flawless. And uh, man, in, uh, really in, is he? Really is. God, Jason, thank you so much. And uh, Manny, uh, thank you, Jason. In the Trouble Men podcast, we always like to say, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Good night.
What kind of cake you like? I said it don't matter, baby. Cause I'm gonna bake it right till the morning meets the night. You tell me, girl, what kind of cake you like? 